Ten eye, catch. What? Ah! My eyes! My eyes! Don't get me wrong, that was a cool fight and all, but it was strictly C-list. I don't play favorites. Every criminal must be brought to justice. But a hero is measured by the strength of his adversary. And you're way better than Ten-Eye. The whole reason I've come back is I want to see the ultimate face-off! Your obsession with me is flattering, Batmite, but it's not healthy. I may be obsessed with you, but you're obsessed with someone, too. What is this place? My shrine to the greatest rivalry in all of herodom! Batman versus the Joker. There's nothing glamorous about fighting the Joker. Are you kidding? It's good versus evil. Order versus chaos. The unstoppable force versus the immovable object. No clash is more epic. Just look! Remember when the Joker made his own utility belt? The laughing fish. They don't get much better than that. The death in the family saga. On that one, the fans got to choose what happened to Jason Todd. Guess how I voted. I'm saving this one for your next battle, which I just know will be the best one ever. There isn't going to be a next battle. The Joker is locked up in Arkham Asylum. He could escape. The Joker always escapes. Not this time. I designed his cell personally. The Joker just escaped from Arkham Asylum. What an incredible coincidence. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Timmy Time and the Bat Fan Revolution Podcast. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and we are on episode 83. My name's Tim, I'm going to be the host for this episode, because unfortunately Dan couldn't make it. But with me on this episode, making his Bat Fans Podcast debut, is Josh. Josh, welcome to the Bat Fans Podcast. It's great to have you. And it's great to be here. Thank you for uh, offering me the chance. Yeah, no problem. And yeah, you're a fellow podcaster with us on the Batman Universe. You do the comic cast a few episodes uh, now. Um, yes, I'm currently filling in for uh, Dustin and or Stella because they wanted to take a break for Convergence. And uh, I also do some of the commentaries with uh, Donovan and Ed. Oh, nice. Yeah, so like I said, great to have you aboard on this episode. And yeah, we'll get into it later, but it's pretty cool that we might not have gotten you on this episode as soon as we did, if not for an article you wrote that <laughs> sparked our uh, topic for our previous episode. But... Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was too bad. Like, I, I was thinking as I was listening to your guys' podcast, like, I was, I was like, oh, I would have loved to have been on this podcast. But I'm here now, and, you know, we can we can make it fun. Exactly, yep. Yeah, I think I mentioned that on the last one. It was like, Dane, when we're wrapping up the conversation, Dan goes, you know what, maybe we should have had Josh on this one. Like, <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, we probably should have. But <laughs> yeah, like you said, yeah. you're here now, and we're going to get into that. But before we do, um, Josh, what we like to do before, like when we have a guest on for the first time, it just kind of give us a little bit of the story of what made you a Batman fan, and what was that one thing that got you into the character? Okay, uh, well, when I was seven years old, uh, well, it goes back before then. I mean, obviously, the first... The thing that I've ever seen of Batman was the original 1989 Batman film. Mm. Uh, that was about when I was two years old, and that was something that my parents would put on over and over and over again just to kind of placate me. And uh, a funny story is my, my mom actually uh, 
taped over it on on it, and I <laughs> she taped her herself. She loved Days of Our Lives, oh, so man. for a while, uh, all I had was the beginning scene where Batman would come down and you know beat up the crooks, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden it would turn to Days of Our Lives. Oh man! <laughs> but uh, going forward in life, uh, I was really sick when I was seven years old. And uh, in the hospital, uh, my mom had brought me comic books, and it was right around the time that Nightfall was happening. Okay, and nice. I just fell in love with Nightfall. I loved, yes. I loved the Asian, the uh, Asbat suit, even though people think it's ridiculous. I thought it was amazing. And at that point, I actually thought Batman was dead. And, you know, it it was uh, just a really fun time, and obviously, you know, that was right as the, the animated series came out, Mass of the Phantasm came out, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just one of those things that uh, it, it, it rolled into a giant snowball, and the intensity for Batman and my love for it, you know, just became, you know, a fire, and it's <laughs> still burning to this day. Nice. Yep. Once you get hooked and start getting into the characters, it's like no looking back. <laughs> right. It's going to keep and, growing and growing and growing. And I mean, I, I just can't, I, you know, I could probably talk to you for a year just about <laughs> Batman. And, and, you know, my favorite story is Nightfall because I feel that that story, you know, we, it, it is still affecting the comics today you know a story that was written you know at this point what i'd say 22 years ago yep. mm-hmm. it, it still reverberates through everything and totally. you know well josh i think you and me are going to get along just fine because nightfall <laughs> i mean that's up there with me too that was actually well not to repeat myself for listeners who's heard me talk about this over and over again but that was the first like main comic story that i started like where i started first heavily getting into comics and collecting them like as they came out so that was like the first one so that one's always gonna have a special place in my right mind. and i mean it was it was hush before hush batman yep. eternal before batman eternal i wouldn't know. even compare the two <laughs> but I, I i don't want to compare them but you have to say that the formula of hush and batman eternal if if bat if nightfall didn't exist we might not have those the way that they're that they were presented. Mm-hmm. You know that form. It's definitely a formula of how Batman is worn down, and it was the first time that it happened. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> I still to this day, I may not read the story over and over like the whole thing, but I always just pick up the trade that I have. And yeah. Even sometimes the if I going through comics and I see my original issues, I'll always just get the urge to pull some out and just flip through it. I just love right. that story. Right. And it's, I mean, not, not to, you know, give too much information, but it's, it's, it's a good bathroom reader. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not on your first time reading it, but once you start reading it over and over again, maybe one of your right. chunks you could take away. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, so for some people it's the dark Knight returns for me, it's nightfall. So. Yeah, no, it's funny because before I started podcasting, I'd look online, I'd see a lot of kind of some hate going on for Nightfall. I started thinking, you know what, am I the only one who really likes this story? But then as yeah. I started talking to more people with podcasts and stuff, it's like, no, there's a lot of other fellow Nightfall fans out well, there. So. I just feel that right now, like a lot of the writers 
don't know how to use Bane. And yes. the artists have ruined Bane in a way because they make him, you know, absurdly giant mm -hmm. and, you know, he has muscles where muscles shouldn't be. And, you know, they've made him a monster to where if you go and you look back at the very first, you know, uh, appearance of Bane, he was a normal guy, you know, he was maybe just a little bit taller than Batman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the juice made him strong, but it didn't make him the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. and. Uh, yeah. I, I, with Bane and stories now, even any medium, animated stuff, video games, it's always hit and miss with them. You're kind of holding your breath. If you're like a Bane, big right. fan, like, oh, how is he going to look? And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. But Well, the way that they used him in the, in the Arkham games was wrong. I, I, yeah, I, I, agree. I just don't understand what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I also don't, I like it when his uh, mask covers his full face. I don't like it sometimes where you can see his eyeballs or his nose. And his right. I like it when it's fully covered. That's where he looks the coolest. Right. When, when they, um, when they changed the, uh, the animated series from, you know, the classic style to the new adventures of Batman and Robin, that's when, you know, the, appearance of Bane just started going downhill and you know there there's some stories like in in No Man's Land he was used really well and obviously I love the story uh the Bane of the Demon I, I think it was called and where uh Rachel Gould tried to basically make Bane the heir to the demon and that was a big uh you know, influence on the Dark Knight Rises. So, I mean, if anything, that's a good segue to what we're going to do now with this little commentary. <laughs> that is a good segue, and I'm going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, let's get into our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary stuff. <laughs> we're on minute 37 through 38. So, you got your copy all queued up there, Josh? Uh, give me just a second. I accidentally pressed play and uh. <laughs> it, it uh, went about five seconds in. Yeah, we only got a minute, so we don't want to jump too far ahead. <laughs> give me, give me, uh, let's see, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, and we're good. Tell me when to press play. All right, let's give the countdown. So everyone, go ahead, grab your DVD, Blu-ray. VHS, beta copy tape, whatever copy you have of The Dark Knight Rises, we're about to begin on minute 37 in 3, 2, 1, go. So we left off on our last episode with Lucius talking to Bruce, and we're wondering how many minutes is it going to take for them to actually get down to the bunker, and we'll <laughs> see if we'll get closer in this minute. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, for the scene where Lu Lucius says about something, he made a comment about uh, coming out of cryogenic sleep or something like that. Yeah. Everyone was all, oh, that's a Mr. Freeze reference. Is he like in this yeah. <laughs> world somehow? <laughs> I remember too, there's like a Mr. Freeze and then uh, when Gordon's, I think in the hospital, says something about uh, crocodiles in the sewers and like, oh, that's Killer Croc. Yeah. <laughs> uh such a frustrating scene when he says, I'm retired. 
but then Lucius is like, well, let me show you some stuff anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's fun. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to it because we are at minute 38 right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least we got into the bunker. <laughs> yeah. I'll count that as a win. So hopefully on our next episode or next two, we'll get to actually see the bat. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So with that, we can go ahead and get into our feature topic. And it's going to be part two of our discussion of is it time to take the reins away from Scott Snyder? Because we have the author of that article with us. So <laughs> we, me and Dane shared our opinion on it. So now that we got Josh with a, with us on this episode, it should be fun to have a discussion with him and kind of discuss why he wrote that article and just your thoughts in general, Josh, on Scott Snyder's run from, I guess, when it started with Black Mirror up until Endgame and even Batman Eternal. Okay, well, you know, basically, I put a preface on it in saying that, you know, Endgame was, in fact, a solid Batman story. And I would put it... Uh, you know, right next to The Dark Knight Returns, uh, you know, Batman Year 100, uh, you know, those types of stories, you know, Justice League, The Nail. Uh, if, if, if it wasn't in continuity, I would love it because mm-hmm. there was so much to love about it. Like, uh, in my article, I, I talk about things that I did love, uh, which, uh, you know, I, I love the reinvention of the, the crazy quote. I love the nods to the Bat People and Vandal Savage and Rachel Gould. Um, I love that uh, they, you know, did play with the possible immortal uh you know, possibility of the Joker and uh, that moment that the Joker popped up behind Jim Gordon after being shot, iconic, you know, it was chill. That was great, yeah. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> let's see, uh, I, you know, at the end of, I, I believe it was issue number four of the arc when um, – Batman descended into the sewers to talk to the uh, the Court of Owls. Uh-huh. I I punched the air and I seriously wanted to take Scott Snyder and kiss his you know magnificent lips because he was <laughs> he was so it was it was so you know just ingenious how he can you know sometimes yep. you know wrap around his his storylines. Yeah, now, like I had a, almost the same reaction. Like I was not expecting yeah. that. So when I turned the page, it was like, oh man, that's where he's going. He's like, oh man, where's the next issue already? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it was such a good moment, and unfortunately, you know, there wasn't very much of a payoff from it, and that yeah. kind of that kind of bothered me, you know. And <clears throat> you know, when it, when it comes to the um, the possibility of leaving it up to the reader to figure out whether or not, you know, things happened or didn't happen. I'm tired of that trope. Mm. I, I think it's lazy. If, if, if you can't explain things, you know, then you shouldn't write them. You know, there, there are perfect moments in comics 
to do stuff like that. And <clears throat> in the article, I explained, you know, Judd Winnick, when he did, you know, Under the Red Hood, uh, he left it up to the reader to decide whether or not it was the Lazarus pit that turned J Jason into a murdering lunatic or whether or not it was his hatred for Bruce because he didn't kill the Joker. I thought that was a brilliant way of, you know, letting the fans decide what, you know, what the ending was. Um, but I, I think that we as fans, you know, deserve more when it comes to making sense, especially when there's just, you know, low hanging fruit of, you know, you have the fact that the Joker, you know, was able to overtake the Justice League. If he was, if he was able, able to overtake the Justice League, why wouldn't he write that he somehow, he, he found a way onto the Watchtower, he used the jail uh, technology to time travel, take the pictures, and also, you know, get up on, over them, and create them as, you know, Jokerized versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. That would have been such an, an awesome way to explain that if he, if just a little extra effort was used by him. But instead, he decided to use a trope that I honestly find, you know, just annoying. You know, I, I, you know, I, can I can't. I was going to say, I, I agree with how that trope can be annoying. And Scott Snyder's even done it in the past where it's like, uh, at least it was defended. Even we go back to Court of Owls and the whole Lincoln March, is he Bruce's brother thing? That still hasn't been resolved yet. But I think right. for this story, I mean, maybe it wasn't completely, completely, like definitively explained, but I think it's a pretty good idea of what, how, not how Joker, was, like the whole thing of him being immortal. It's, I think it was definitively said that, it's not, that he's not and right. with, with how it ended. But if I'm understanding from what you're saying, you would kind of wanted to see more of how um, Joker did all the stuff to make everyone believe he was, as far as like the pictures and all that type of stuff. And when you were saying about that, as far as like him like getting access to like the Watchtower or something, seeing him go back in time, I didn't think of that, but uh, that probably could have been something pretty cool to see. I mean, maybe not part of the main story, be main story, but maybe like one like a backup issue or one of the tie-in issues, something like that. Maybe right. they didn't want to spoil the surprise, but maybe if we got some at the end of the story or some type of backup thing with that, well, that could have been I kind mean, of cool. during during the fight when you know Batman was you know fighting the Joker and you know they were slugging it out, you know when he was holding him down, you know trying to you know basically troll him, he he could have said you know. I'll let you go if you tell me the truth. How did you do this? You know, and it would have been a perfect opportunity for the Joker to explain what he did. You know, I mean, that's what I would have done if I were writing the story, is, is what I'm saying. And that leads me to a, diff a whole other point. You know, I some people say that, you know, Batman was holding the Joker down because he was, you know, trying to just get the truth out of him. But I honestly read it as, you know, the Joker finally breaking Batman and, you know, him being dri driven so mad that he was going to kill the Joker. You know, the Joker won. 
And yeah, and just the fact too, where I took it where Batman's kind of accepting that all Joker was trying to explain to him, not only through this, but like a death of the family, kind of how like they were meant for each other in some like strange right. way. Like one can't live without the other. And Batman's like finally seeing that. I mean, that line he said right. at the end was like, I'm just going to rest here with my friend. I mean, <laughs> you would never right. expect Batman to say that. So yeah, I agree with that. I mean, obviously people are supposed to take that as like I, I, ironic sarcasm or whatever, but it, you can't tell me that a Batman that, you know, is questionably within you know five to ten years of his career is so jaded that he's finally willing to kill the joker you know i mean that's that's just so disappointing to me because we've seen instances and like i i've I've given you know the uh the uh instance where nightwing killed the joker in the last laugh because he thought that uh, the Joker had killed him, but Batman resuscitated the Joker, and you know obviously he he saved his life. Uh, in another instance, uh, I think it was in Bane of the Demon or uh, the Demon Laughs. I, I I can't remember the, the exact name of the story, but it it was uh, where Rachel Ghoul and the Joker teamed up in order to you know rule humanity the, the basic Rachel Gould story uh joker was riddled with bullets and instead of letting the joker just be dead he threw the joker into the lazarus pit because obviously he needed the joker to explain to him what Rachel Gould's plan was uh in order to stop Rachel Gould. and you know there have been times that you know hush wanted to kill the joker and Batman stopped him. Uh, you know, he was gonna kill the Joker in Hush, and Jim Gordon stopped him. You know, mm-hmm. there's been so many writers that have basically stopped him from crossing that line. Uh, I mean, even in, you know, uh, Arkham City, Batman says, you know what? I would have saved you. And the Joker doesn't deserve to be saved. Everybody knows that, like, sure, Batman should have killed the Joker years ago. And I just I just don't like that it's in continuity that, that this happened. You know, it's not like The Dark Knight Returns where, you know, it, it was truly the end game. Batman at the end of his career... And even though, and even in that story, he didn't kill Joker, but he stopped him from being ever being able to do any harm to anybody ever again. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's obviously, you know, the trope of the Joker is you never know how he gets out of things, and um, I'm sure he'll be back, but it's gonna be a hell of a, a road for any writer to try to, you know, create a situation that explains how the Joker got out of that cave. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how both of them are going to come back, because you know they are. Yeah, it's going to be an an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that being said, you know, I pointed out, you know, four or five stories that, you know, I... 
looking back on the article, I used some some pretty colorful and maybe harsh language in, in <laughs> saying that Scott Snyder straight up stole from these arcs. <laughs> but um, I, I believe that, you know, the last laugh and the idea of what happened in Endgame is basically the same story. It's just a different vehicle in which the Joker, uh, you know, made these people of Gotham the way that they were. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, See, my thing, like, that didn't bother me really at all because, like I said, the last one was that Joker's done this a lot of times in a bunch of other stories with, like, poisoning people into this gas and causing chaos with his, like, Joker talks in the, the city of Gotham. But that, to me, that was never the main like the focus of the end game story it was just like a portion of it, like a, a threat that had to be on Gotham city, but it wasn't the main importance of what the story Scott Snyder was trying to tell. To me, the main thing was the whole thing with Joker is he, or is he not immortal? And what he says he is being alive for all these years and just messing around or messing with Batman's head. Like he always does. So to me, the whole thing with him was the Joker toxin and creating like these, the Joker zombies type of uh-huh. people. It was like, that was, I mean, yeah, we've seen that a lot of before in Joker stories. So I just took it as, okay, it's just the Joker trope we come to expect, but it's just, he's just using that as a way to, you know, cause there has to be some type of threat on there. And, but that's not really what the main point of this, what Joker's trying to do to me anyway. So that well, never really and, bothered me. And I'll agree with you. You know, it's, it's, it's a Joker trope. You know, and I, I I definitely agree that you know the immortality aspect was the main idea of what was going on, and we've also seen you know the Joker be in disguise a whole lot, and the one thing that kind of upset me about this whole you know Eric Border story is. It would have been so much better if we would have just had a little bit more time to really love the character of Eric Order. Yeah. Like make him a Leslie Tompkins type person and then break our hearts in knowing that he was the Joker. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Yeah, because you first showed up in with Batman Annual number two, was it? I, I believe that was correct. Yeah, and then he didn't show up for a long time. Like when he came back and it was the Joker, it's like Sounds familiar. I gotta look up to see where this well, guy. Well, I I know that he was in the uh, the Joker's daughter special, and he actually re- revealed himself as the Joker in that. In okay. that, uh, it, but it was it was already after you know the cat was out of the bag too, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he he gave her he obviously gave her the his face back. I, I if I if I remember that correctly. Um, another thing that bothered me is, you know, the government, you know, sealing off Gotham City, not helping. And, you know, it's like we've been there before. We've done that. It's, it is unbelievable to me that, you know, the National Guard would not go in and do everything possible to help this city. You know, I mean... No Man's Land was ridiculous, and eventually Congress came to, you know, their senses with the help of Lex Luthor in, you know, recreating Gotham 
And to see it happen again, especially if, uh, you know, since Flashpoint, all of the continuity, you know, aside from like year one and whatnot, has all happened, then it's like, why would they do that again? Uh, yeah, see, that's uh, that's gonna go on a whole other topic where uh, it's kind of hard to tell what's in continuity, what's not. I think pretty much a lot of those stories. I mean, they mention them from time mm-hmm. to time, but then a few stories later, you'll hear like someone at DC say, "Oh, that's not in continuity anymore," or that. So was, at this point, yeah. I mean, that's one of the disappointing things with these stories in general. I mean, like you were yeah. talking about early where earlier where um, you were saying Batman and Joker has all this or don't have all this history just yet because he's only been around like a little bit over five years now but to make him actually be accepting joker's death and to preventing him from saving himself if they had all that history back like the pre new 52 stuff then you can definitely see that where yeah batman has become jaded and all that to finally let this be the end and that's always bothering me it still bothers me a little bit too but i'm kind of coming to the point now where it's like i just got to accept this continuity and while having that history would make it better Overall, it doesn't kill the enjoyment I'm getting from this story, but it does. It's just more of an annoyance than anything, really. And you know, what the the, the thing that upset me the most was the dancing with the skeleton of Martha Wayne, because okay. that is a straight up ripoff from Morrison's Batman and Robin number sixteen when the Joker was dancing with another ancestor of the Wayne family, and he even threw a joke in there. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, are you... I mean, it's... The way I explained it in, you know, the beginning of the article, like, the fact that the Joker was recreating all of his crimes and uh, death of the family, it, it served a purpose for the story because it, it was, you know, showing Batman that, you know, he, the Joker loves Batman and he wants to make him who he was. It, it was a good way to, you know, give homage to the past, but also push the story forward. But, Dancing with the skeleton of Martha Wayne, I, I I just you know if I were if I were Grant Morrison, I'd be like, what are you doing, man? Like that that that's something I did. It's not your idea. And if 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 it's meant to be, you know, it, it, you know the parade was like kind of a you know a you know uh, it, it's like this is our lives, you know, Batman. This is, you know, all of our crimes. Here's the trophies. Here's the dinosaur. Here's the, the giant card. You know, here's some other trinkets from everything. If, if that's the case, then I get it. But, I mean, I, I guess I just, I, I didn't like that. And uh, some people might say that's such a, a nit to pick. But for me... I, it just really bothered me. I mean, what about you? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it didn't bother me at all. And maybe it's because I haven't read <laughs> the Grant Morrison stuff in a long time. So as I was okay. reading that, it didn't really come to mind that, oh, it's from what it's the exact same thing Grant Morris, Morrison did. But 
to me, I liked it because it's just, again, Joker just really sticking it to Batman and Bruce. Not Since he knows who he is, I mean, if Bat- Batman sees him dancing with the skeleton of his mom, I mean, how crazy upset is that going to make Batman? So I just thought it was another great way for Joker to mess with him. And, but the, well, <laughs> the, the, and I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. But, I mean, it, it's just like, it's one of those things like it's, it's too soon. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know what? That's that was probably when I reviewed the, the the issue last episode. That was pretty much my biggest nitpick about it. That having Batman supposedly die again and just pretty much out of the scene for a little bit anyway. It's too soon for that. We just went through it not too long ago with Batman uh, after uh, Final Crisis and the whole thing with the return of Bruce right. Wayne and all that. I mean, we went through the. Uh, Gotham City without Batman and we uh-huh. really don't need that again but the thing I said also was that I prefer this story that Snyder told than how Batman went out in Final Crisis and through the whole time travel thing I mean we don't know how he's going to come back from this yet but I think if he was to go out this was the way to do it him and Joker one last battle to the death and it was oh, that last battle <laughs> I just loved it I mean okay I- I'm sorry you you said you preferred Snyder's way over Morrison yes mm-hmm. Okay, I disagree. I, I, I mean, I am, you know, people will call me a Morrison lover, and I do like Morrison, and I, I love his writing, um, I, I, especially on Batman. I, I, I felt that, you know, it, you know, Scott Snyder took a lot of history and, and used it for his stories, and Morrison you know, took a lot of history oh, and, totally. you know, used it for his stories. He, the difference is, is Morrison made everything Batman has ever done written on any earth and made it in continuity. And he did it in a very clever fashion when it came to Batman being, you know, stuck with Dr. Hurt in that isolation chamber and whatnot. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just thought a great way to bring Batmite into it. <laughs> right. Right. I, you know, and you, as you say, it's, it's too soon for Batman to be gone. And I actually went back and this isn't counting Batman and Robin and, or, you know, detective comics. This is only Batman. Scott Snyder took the, over this book in 2011. Before he came onto this book, Dick Grayson was Batman for 36 issues. If you add that to the 40 issues of Volume 2 that, that have been released, and as well as the 10 that Batman is said to be Jim Gordon until Bruce Wayne returns, mm-hmm. that means you've only had 42 out of the last 86 published Batman issues that Bruce Wayne has been Batman in Batman. And if you don't see wow. that that is a problem as a fan and that is far too many issues for that the book's actual hero to be out of his own book, and no matter how amazing it was for Dick Grayson to be under the cow, then, I mean, I don't know how big of a Batman fan or a Bruce Wayne fan you really are. I mean, I... I yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from with that. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I could go through my, you know, my, uh, my, 
my metaphor that I made with uh, about uh, Easy Rider, but I don't feel that a lot of the people that would be you know listening to this would probably understand it because Easy Rider is a pretty old film. But <laughs> uh, it basically, you know, I was down for Scott Snyder because I loved the Black Mirror and I loved the Court of Owls, even though I felt like if you know, Grant Morrison didn't do The Return of Bruce Wayne. I don't know if there would have been the spark for uh, for Scott Snyder to do The Court of Owls because, you know, obviously Grant Morrison went back and told a little bit of history of Gotham and, you know, he, he did it in such a way that was fun for me. And, um, you know... If you don't mind, let's talk a little bit of Eternal. Oh, yeah. Go right ahead. I'm sure that's going to play into some of what made you want to get this article out about Scott yes. Snyder and the rain you know, the away. Because I think you, you would probably be in agreement more about Eternal than Endgame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Eternal, you know, it had some really good moments. One of my favorite moments of Eternal is when Jason Bard, uh, you know, uh, was going, was trying to pursue Batman, and uh, he ended up finding the criminals, and, you know, it, it was under the guise of pursuing Batman, and they, he charged him with, uh, you know, working with the Batman. Do you remember that moment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that was such a great yep. moment. Like that, that's, that's classic writing. You know, I, I loved it. And I also loved, you know, the fact that they made the clue master a total badass. You know, like if, if, if the clue master was the actual, you know, mind behind the yeah the, the final main threat <laughs> yeah if it was him it would have been awesome it would have been of hush like proportions when it came to like upping the riddler from you know b list back to a list i would have loved if clue master would have been you know back up on you know the totem pole of being a threat but I feel that sometimes Scott Snyder lets his ego get in the way of things, and he had to throw his character into it and make him the main threat at the last minute. And it just was frustrating. Like, yeah, what are you doing? And, you know, the convolution with Damien is... It's just mind-boggling, you know. I absolutely deplore the fact that Scott Snyder says that he can't write Damien. I don't want anyone writing a book that includes characters that, that, that they say, I can't write this character, you know. Uh, Scott Snyder is a is a good writer and I do not believe that he couldn't come up with something 
for Damien. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it for me... It's like know, something we don't need to hear as fans, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, you know, Tomasi and... Uh, who, who was the artist on Batman and Robin? Patrick Gleason. Yeah, Gleason. That story was so good. Like that silent issue where Batman just yeah. went on a, a rampage. That was phenomenal. Was beautiful. <laughs> yep. And, you know, for him to come to, for Robin to come back and then, you know, not at least include Robin in, you know, the, the fight scene at the end, you know, with, uh, with Batgirl and, mm. you know, how Dick Grayson, ended up being in the suit, which was amazing. That was like the best moment of the final issue. If, <laughs> if, if I may say so myself. Yeah. It was one of them for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, he didn't even have to say a word. Just, just have the kid in the book, you know, yeah, cause was, what else really would he be doing? You know, in the, in the tie in for, uh, detective comics, Batwoman was in the book and we hadn't seen Batwoman in this, in, a while yeah. like, it was amazing and you know another thing is scott snyder almost ruined spoiler for me because there is absolutely no reason that that spoiler should have gotten on her bike and like would have been like screw this i'm out of here and i mean luckily she came back but I mean, I, it's just a questionable decision for me. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that, you know, we had, you know, this giant epic storyline that ended uh, up with, you know, the uh, Thomas Wayne character being the bad guy. It was, it was a little bit of a letdown. And um, that's where I stand with Eternal. And then all of a sudden, bam, we're running right into Endgame. And I, I just think it was a bad editorial decision to have those stories run side by side. Yeah, I would agree with that. With Eternal, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of problems with it. But you see, I just kind of have a hard time of seeing like where to place the blame, really, because... There was a lot of people working on that. Yeah, maybe. Was... I mean, I think James Tinian, he was the one most credited, I think, with the writing credit for a lot of the issues. Uh-huh. But then again, you got Scott Snyder on there as a credits too, so I'm sure he had some input too. I mean, you're well, probably right where maybe it was his idea to bring back Lincoln Mark. Well, like, let me let me pick some myths here. One, why in the hell was Bane in Arkham? When has Bane ever been in Arkham? And also, why would Bane not recognize Alfred if Nightfall happened? I guess see, yeah, that stupid annoying continuity <laughs> stuff. Like, uh, it's like sometimes they don't even. It's like they don't even care anymore about that. It's like, yeah, screw well, it. We're just doing what's gonna what we feel is a better story, and who cares about yeah, continuity? Yeah, and it's it's just it's just like one more draft, please, guys. Just one more draft. Have someone that knows the history and 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 be willing to take the, the constructive criticism of 
you know, this isn't right. You, you made a mistake. You know, I mean, the overall story of them blowing up Arkham and then having the manor be Arkham, that was amazing. Yeah, like, I did like that. Whoever thought of that, like, I want to shake their hand because it was beautiful. And also, um, you know, the fact that Hush was reintroduced into the New 52 and the way that they used them, I loved every minute of it. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I thought Hush was done really well in that. And I really wish that kind of he was the main threat in that, or maybe like the last one before Clue Master, who was revealed to be right. the last threat. Because my biggest problem with this whole story, red herring after red herring after red herring of who the main bad guy is, it just got really tiring. Especially, right. like you said, in the second to last issue with Clue Master, he gets the big reveal that, oh wait, nope, he's not the big bad guy, there's one more. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. uh, that just got real tiring. And then, well, see, my thing is, Eternal, at the end of the day, it, to me it's almost pointless. There's nothing really drastic that happened as far as like the Arkham thing that you mentioned and then uh-huh. introducing spoiler. But other than that, yeah. what really is there to take away from it? <laughs> yeah. Why and I mean, be a year long uh, story arc. I mean, the whole thing with uh, Batwing and, you know, uh, Spectre, like that yeah, see, was... there were even issues I skipped where I didn't even care about that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I reviewed uh, Gotham by Midnight for the site, and uh, a lot of Gotham by Midnight spun out of uh, Eternal because of what happened in Arkham. And okay. What, and the first arc of uh, 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 Gotham by Midnight had – it was really hard to follow, and, uh, like, it had this, like, kind of – I can only explain it as like it was like a Godzilla style fight between Spectre <laughs> and like this swamp monster thing that like personified <laughs> the evil. It wasn't swamp thing, but it was like a swamp monster that personified the evil of Gotham. Okay. Yeah. And basically, like, did you ever see uh, King Kong versus Godzilla? Oh man, a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, right. Basically, it ended with like Spectre screaming and like having a hissy fit, and then <laughs> like both both of them like went their separate ways. <laughs> and like Bat, even Batman, like was he walked up to to uh, uh, Corrigan. He's like, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> I mean, they built it up so awesome in the third issue. Like, these two were, you know, about to duke it out, and the Batwing was, uh, like, the, the plane, I mean. The Batwing was flying into the into the middle of it, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. And the, the, the issue was just like, what? <laughs> so... Uh, you know, when it when it comes to Eternal, you're right. There there really wasn't a whole lot to take away from it, other than you know the Arkham Manor. I did love the Hush stuff, like I said. I I do love that you know the throwback to what happened in uh, Troika and uh, uh, Prodigal. You know, when Dick was Batman and Bruce was building all of the Bat Caves around the city. Mm. 
and uh, you know, Hush was able to break into all of those bat caves and you know basically compromise the city and in a very dangerous way because you know in a way Batman could be you know the worst enemy of Gotham you know it when it comes to all of the tech that he has the just the the you know dangerous stuff sure, that's yeah. built. You know, I mean, we saw it in The Dark Knight Rises, mm -hmm. how Bane used, you know, Batman's arsenal against the city. And that's basically exactly what happened in Eternal. And it ruined Wayne Enterprises. And that's something that, you know, we've never seen before. And, uh, you know, I, I like that. Uh, the one takeaway that I really love about what's going to happen next in Batman is the powers family is going to be. Yes. I love that in the preview issue because I love Batman beyond. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't love what they did in future's end, but I love me some Batman beyond. And Same I hope, here. I, I hope that, you know, we're going in that direction and it, it's going to be fun. Yep. So, so um, so I guess just to wrap up the whole conversations on it, as far as uh, where's your, where do you stand now as far as what's next for Snyder and his Batman story arc and just the new Batman status quo in general? I mean, are you still going to continue reading him as a diehard Batman fan or is it kind of something where uh, you've uh, had enough and then you might have to take uh, a stand? <laughs> of course, I'm still going to read it because I love Batman. I will never give up on Batman. You know, I... You know, Kevin Smith, uh, he had a quote, you know, I'd take gay Batman over no Batman, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I would take Batman and Robin over no Batman, you know? I, 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 go, I, I watch the 1940s Batman serials, and I'm, as silly as they are, you know, you can almost like Mystery Science Theater 3000 them <laughs> and, and still have fun because it's Batman. You know, yeah. See, that's the thing too. As much as there are some bad stuff with Batman, like Batman and Robin, it doesn't get much worse than that. But the thing that makes it okay, where you don't have to like just extremely like, hate it so much that you can't watch it, because we've gotten so many good stuff like since then too. Yeah. So there's nothing that you can really complain about or say where where something's so bad is oh I'll never like I, it ruined Batman for me. I can never go back to it because uh -huh. you look at that. There's something that's just just as good as that is bad so yeah well and you know just the, the the thing with me is at dc right now because of flashpoint and the abruptness of what happened and now with convergence you know them trying to sort of fix things and you know like I, I I told you earlier in email, if you haven't read Convergence Superman and you want to, I want you to read it because it's like hanging out with an old friend. <laughs> you know, it's the Superman that we all want. And I think that, you know, the Superman true storyline that's going to come out of Convergence is going to bring back that character because I think DC is finally listening to the fans and, you know, realizing that they don't like this Superman 
Yeah, and, we haven't for a while, since the New 52 started, really. Right. And, you know, what I predict for that character is, one, obviously his his secret identity is going to be gone. And that's going to fit with the Man of Steel, uh, Batman v Superman movie uh, trope, because we're past the, the, the days that people are so stupid that they can't tell that. Superman is Superman behind a pair of glasses, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that if Superman is going to become DC's Captain America, they need to, to, to make him, you know, out. They, they, they need to, to, to pull him out of the closet in, in that, in that respect. Yeah. I mean, I was happy they did that right off the bat. And Man of Steel was Lois Lane. I mean, that's right. who, who he was right away. We have to go through that right. whole thing again. So, right. So anyway, back to Batman. I'm still going to read it. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting. Um, what I really look forward to, and it's it's kind of been a um, point of uh, debate, is that last panel um, of Batman number 40, and then it, it was also in the divergence uh, preview of uh, the little kid with the R on his, on his uh, jacket and the man with the crutches and uh, the, the scar on his eyes and whatnot. I don't care what anybody says that is Bruce Wayne and Duke. <laughs> and I think that Bruce Wayne is going to be behind the scenes of we are Robin. And I am looking forward to we are Robin the most. And, but I'll still read Batman, and I want to read Batmite too because <laughs> because it, it looks like what, what they're gonna do with Batmite is what they did in Brave and the Bold, you know, with uh, oh, you know, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I love Batman or Batmite on that show. Yeah, so uh, I'm a Bat fan through and through. You know, I would ride into hell with Batman if if I could. So with that said. Um, if you have anything else to ask me about this, I am at your disposal. <laughs> well, I'll just say it again. I mean, thanks to you for writing this article. I mean, we've gotten some good discussions out of it for two episodes, <laughs> which is great. So it was just good to finally get your take on it, directly talk to you about it, kind of what spawned the article and your thoughts on Batman Endgame and Eternal and just some of the stuff that didn't sit well with you with uh, Scott, Scott Snyder's writing so just thanks again for writing that article I'm sure I don't know how long it took you but I think uh, with the research you did and just getting everything lined up with the previous example it probably took uh, some effort to get that all nice and neat for a good reading for uh, people to check out yeah it, it takes it, it took a little bit of time but um, you know as I said like I'm I'm a writer so uh, I, I'm kind of terrified Kerouacian in the way that I write. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of free flows. I, I mean, I don't mean to toot my own horn or anything, but like, I, I love to write and I'm so honored to be able to write for, uh, Dustin's site. And I'm, I want to help him as much as possible because I'm, I'm pretty much a DC historian. Like I, <laughs> nice. I, I, I know everything about everything and, you know, if if I, I've kind of figured out how everything works between Flashpoint and how the crises all fit in 
and convergence, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, I'm going to write an editorial on that uh, very soon. So if you guys are like my writing, stay tuned for that. Awesome. Maybe we should just start calling you Metron now, because that's what you're sounding like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I am Metron of, of the Batman universe. <laughs> you just have to get that chair to when you write your articles, and you'll be all set. Oh, but I'm sorry, sir, but Batman sitting upon the Mobius chair, take all my money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is going to be awesome. Yes, I will definitely agree with that. <laughs> All right, so I can go ahead and take us into our uh, few news topics that we got to discuss. And it's probably there's nothing bigger that happens into our last episode than more and more Suicide Squad <laughs> movie set photos coming out. And then yeah. just this past Sunday, I believe, is when we got some really, really good looks at Jared Leto as the Joker and him interacting and filming a scene with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. And mm. I don't know about you, Josh, but there's just something about scene joker now granted this looks like this might be a flashback sequence because it looks like harley isn't harley let she's still just harley and quinzel there was no makeup or anything on her but yeah. something about seeing those two characters together filming a scene for in for a live action movie there was just something really cool about that like after 20 what 23 years or so since batman the animated series harley made her debut she's finally being put into a live action movie and uh -huh. these those two characters are just so iconic now so i was geeking out just at these set photos and set videos that came out. I mean, I just really can't wait to see them interact together in this movie, whether it's in a trailer for the first time. I'm sure that's going to get me pumped up. And then mm -hmm. when I actually sitting in that theater and then seeing them on screen for the first time, it's going to be awesome. I mean, of course, we got to wait and see how the performances are. But right now, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to get something really good. And so, yeah, these screenshots or these set photo images really got me pumped up. I mean, of course, you obviously saw the first reveal Jared Leto Joker image. And so to kind of see it more in context of what the film's going to be, actually with like wearing a suit and stuff. So I, I'm like really liking how he looks. And there was a debate going on, too, where, oh, are the tattoos real? Did they just put that on there to celebrate the 75th anniversary? But... Nope, it looks like they're real because you see them all over in the set photos. Yeah, I mean, I had seen a photo that was supposedly like a paparazzi photo of, you know, a, a daily or something like that. And I thought it looked better than what Jared Leto looks like now. But I don't mind the the uh, look. I, I mean, that it's, it is the Joker. I mean... I, I don't know what people would want more than that. I mean, I, I think the damage thing on on his forehead is a little silly, mm -hmm, but yeah. I, I could see the Joker, you know, tatting himself up in, in Arkham. You know, I mean, totally. what does the guy what does the guy have to do all day except you know <laughs> screw, screw around with guards and screw around with inmates and get some tattoos from Harley Quinn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't mind that. Yeah, the tattoos I don't have a problem with, which, um, but the only one was that not even that it says damage on his forehead. It's just that I just don't like face tattoos in general on Neither do the I. Joker. I so no matter so. what was said on there, I prefer to have no tattoos on his face. But all the others, yeah, it's going to be something different that we're going to see on for a movie version of the Joker. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they want to get this this Joker to be as different as it can be from Heath Ledger's and Jack Nicholson. But at the same time, I'm expecting it to still be a true and true Joker interpretation, just something a little different, which like we said with Batman, there's so many different interpretations of the Joker that uh -huh. 
even if this one isn't that good, it's probably not going to make it a wrong interpretation or a bad one to some people because there's so many different ways you can go with the characters. So, well, I I just you know after seeing you know I I don't know uh, if you saw there was a Jared Leto movie um, out. Uh, it's on Netflix uh, where he plays like. 50 different versions of a character mm. because it has to do with like alternate realities and whatnot. Okay. And like he, he played an old man. He played uh, like a, a soccer dad. He played, it, it's called Mr. Nobody. Okay. Um, he, he plays so many different versions of himself and he, and he has such a range. And obviously I loved him in Requiem for a Dream. I loved him in Lord of War. The dude can act. Dallas Buyers Club. You know, I thought he was a woman, you know? I mean, the dude is going to bring something to the role no matter what. Yep. And it is going to be spellbinding, mind-bending, etc. Like, uh, if, if you don't like it, then, I mean, I, I can't help you as a Bat fan, you know? You, 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 have to, you, you have to dance with the one that brought you, you know? And David Iyer has proven himself over and over and over to me. You know, he, he, training day was great. Uh, I love Street Kings. I love, uh, Harsh Times. I love Sabotage. You know, people, you know, were making fun of, you know, the, the Suicide Squad shot of everybody together saying that it looked CW or whatnot. Yeah, I saw those two. (laughs) But it's like, what are you talking about? Like, these are people that have stepped off the page. You know, quit quit being so cynical and, you know, be happy that this is happening at all. I know. I mean, like, at least reserve judgment till you see the movie and you can share your opinions about it then. But, I mean, how can you just not be excited by seeing all this stuff? (laughs) I mean, just as a comic and DC fan. Right. I mean... I mean, how many times are we going to, to, to be the people that are naysayers and be wrong? You know, yeah. everybody, everybody thought that, you know, Michael Keaton wasn't right for Batman. Turned out he was the best Batman and up until Christian Bale, uh, you know, and, and even that's still arguable. And sure, I, yeah. You know, we saw the very first picture of, of uh, Heath Ledger and he looked like you know, it, he was emo Joker who, you know, just didn't know how to put on lipstick. Best Joker that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And even that, even that is still debatable because I love Jack Nicholson's Joker. You know, that was, you know, it, it, without Jack Nicholson's Joker, I don't think we would have got the, the animated series Joker. Yeah, we wouldn't have um, got the series in general if we didn't have that well, movie was successful. Absolutely. So, I mean... I, I really hope that at some point Jared Leto puts on the purple costume, but you know, I, I guess whatever the Joker wears is fine with me because he's still the Joker. It's not the it's not the clothes that make the man. Exactly. You know, but would, I have. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say when you were looking at these uh, set images with him and Harley, did it uh, remind you of any particular Joker that you've seen before? Because for me, I kind of get a feel of a little bit of the Dark Knight Returns Joker a little bit. And then also even more recently, we were just talking about with the Endgame Joker, how his hair is kind of slicked back like that. 
Yeah, I think they did that on purpose. I think that they said that is the Jared Leto Joker right there mm-hmm. because that I mean when when he cut his hair and he he had that picture of uh when when it was blonde, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that is what we just saw in in what was it? 36?" Yeah. Uh, I believe and, so. Yeah. So I I was stoked. And uh, then he took the picture, uh, of the homage of uh, of the the Killing Joke, and I was like, "Wow, they're 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 literally keeping up with the times. They're not they're not trying to reinvent the wheel here, you know." And uh, yes, uh, I but was there a picture of him wearing a white coat at some point? No, it's not white. It's look, it's silver. But I still kind of got that feel. To yeah, how, how he's looking. Yeah, that Dark Knight Returns vibe to it. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. And um, now did you, you see know, the uh, set video that they had of them filming that scene together? I saw the set video, but it, you know, for me, it was so far away that I didn't really quite understand what was happening, other than Harley was pointing a gun at him. Yeah, I mean we really don't know what the context of that scene is going to be, but even just watching it, I just got the feeling that they're getting that Joker Harley relationship, right? I mean, some reason she's upset with him. She's ready to kill him. Like she has been ready to do a couple of times in other stories, but she can't pull that trigger. I mean, he's probably saying something to her. Like you can't do it. Like we've been through this before. And then he just slaps it. He slaps her and she drops the gun. I mean, how many times have Joker done that to her? And then after that, we didn't yeah. see it in that video, but Harley's probably going to fall back in love with them again. I mean, just that destructive relationship that they have. Right. It looks like they're going to be capturing that in this movie. That has me excited. Well, and it can, it, it, there's one or two things that it could possibly be. Obviously, you know, if, if the, we're following the Dark Knight Returns as much as it seems mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the grandmaster of all this, uh, Zack Snyder, is doing. Harley might be reformed at this point and doesn't want to deal with the Joker and then she gets turned back into Harley Quinn. You know, That's or yeah. like you said, it could be a flashback and Joker's not quite Joker yet and he's turning her into Harley Quinn. Yeah. And I, I've also heard that she's going to be changing costumes throughout the movie. Oh, and really? If we get that classic Harley Quinn, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, costume i will punch the air jump <laughs> up and down in the theater just like everybody else i'm sure will yeah when, when it happens because i have been to every batman film at midnight and we it, it's a it's it's an experience if you've never done it i implore you to do it oh yeah i've done it for all the no one showed you movies yeah it was lots yeah. of fun to do that <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean i I'm not expecting her to wear that in the movie, but if we do, man, that's going to be awesome. Even if it's like a little Easter egg where she's going right. through clothes or costumes and stuff, she pulls right. something out, she's like, mm, nah, like, and puts it like back if, or something. If she's in Belle Reve or if she's in Arco and that costume's there and like, you know, you, you remember, I'm not sure if you watched Doctor Who or not. No, but, I don't. Okay, well, there's a scene in Doctor Who uh, where David Tennant goes uh, – after he regenerates, he goes up into his wardrobe and he's like picking out different things. If if there's a scene like that, uh, where she's going through all of her old costumes in Belle Reve or in Arkham, 
and that suit's there, that will be enough for me. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it, it exists. Exactly. Know? Yeah. It's somehow. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, that'd be awesome. But hopefully, I mean, for Suicide Squad, we've been getting set photos like almost every other day. It seems like hopefully pretty. Soon. Yeah, and I you mean, some official I, I, stuff, but. Well, for the most part, David Ayer has been really great on like Twitter and social media, just sharing certain things. Not like huge things, but just giving us little small updates about the movie, which is cool. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, spoilers, if uh, if you want to fast forward about 10 seconds, Batman is in the Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's that great image where like they tried covering that half like with a blanket or something no it, it wasn't a blanket i think it was his cape <laughs> was it? Oh, i gotta look at that image again yeah i i think that they put his cape over his head <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you could still see like the legs of his suit and his boots right like, yeah, yeah we know who it is <laughs> you know but what one thing about that bat suit that i didn't realize ben affleck does more for that bat suit than, than that bat suit does for ben affleck and it <laughs> That's is a point, yeah. like when it I, I thought you know it was still like that uh foamy rubber but it kind of looked like kevlar uh-huh. no it, it's cloth and you know I, i'm sure you saw that video with the basketball star uh you yeah. know going into the batmobile and we got we actually got to see the wonder woman costume yeah. and the wonder woman costume looks great yeah. and uh, I, did you ever happen to see the video where the people restored the color to Man of Steel? I, I didn't actually see it, but I saw people posting it and stuff. But you I know should, it's out there, yeah. You should see it because, you know, it it totally would change the tone of Man of Steel if it was just a little bit brighter lit. You know, yeah. See, I never really had a problem with the tone, but I know a lot of people did, and I don't have a problem, but I I see the point. Yeah, because when you think of Superman, it should be like you think of more of a brighter character, so the tone of it should be a little brighter. Yeah, and I'm sure when I do see it, it would feel more like Superman, but in yeah. the end, I'm not sure if it'll like change anything as far as oh, this like makes it ten times better because I love the movie already. So oh yeah, I absolutely anybody who doesn't love that movie doesn't understand. That he's not Superman yet. Hey, he, hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't. Learned, too. <laughs> he hasn't learned the lessons yet, and I believe he will learn the lessons from Batman in Batman v Superman. Yep. But the one thing about that video that I was telling you about is there was a a line that the person said: "It Superman should fly in blue skies, not gray." Hmm. And and that that really struck home with me. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's a good point. Well, I don't think he'll be doing if he's in Gotham, he won't be flying over that much blue sky. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, also, we got this week was a cool new live action trailer for uh, Batman: Arkham Knight, and this one came out to surprise because we've got lots of cool trailers for <laughs> Arkham Knight, and this one leading up to its release was it's a live action one, and a lot of video games been doing that lately, where they shoot uh, people in costumes of the characters that are in the games. So, but this one was done pretty different. I thought it was really cool, and it was really almost an inspiring trailer where you just see uh, people throughout the city, like you see uh, someone getting uh, mugged in an alley. You see like this uh, basketball player in a locker room, not too sure of himself. You see someone on a subway yeah. witnessing uh, these 
gang members are crooks this harassing this old man on the subway and then you see a firefighter about to go into a burning building and they're all look unsure of themselves but then you see them gain their confidence like one of them like you just determined they're courageous fearless and then just all these qualities of batman that uh are are being displayed here and then it cuts to we actually see batman and i was wondering are we gonna get a live action like Batman in this commercial? But it just went to the video game footage. I mean, it was still cool, but I was kind of wondering, oh, that'd be cool if we got some type of live action version of Batman. Just real quick in this commercial, but well, I live in Seattle, and I don't know if you know about like the the people up here that are you know they call themselves superheroes. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. I and, that guy's name. <laughs> uh, it's like Phoenix or yeah. Something like that. Uh, Not the Phoenix costume, but <laughs> yeah, Phoenix. His name is Phoenix Jones. Okay, yeah, that's right. And I mean, it's 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 silly, you know. I mean, that I love the commercial, but like obviously, you know, the way that people are so you know susceptible to influence, I really hope that they don't take that commercial as you know let's go try and find a bunch of thugs that are beating people up and stop them because yeah. honestly, you might get your ass beat. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. But that's another thing that I think is cool about this commercial. They didn't show any of these people as being like superheroes. They're just everyday people in right. everyday life. And they just happen to be experiencing these things and yet right. overcoming I mean, like the fear that they might have and just standing up and doing what's right. Right. You know, being a hero is, you know, just, just, doing the right thing, you know. I mean, if they, if they would have shown a Boy Scout helping, you know, an old lady across the street, mm-hmm. that's Batman, you know. You, you are that person's Batman. Like, I understand the commercial. I just hope it doesn't go in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's, since it has that M rating, they're probably going for the more mature route for it. So. <laughs> right, right. And let's hope people are mature about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that was some of the big news stories uh, for the last two weeks. So with that, we can go go into our listener feedback slash conversation with Alex. So as always, Alex sends us another email. And let me just bring it up real quick. And he goes, yay, bad rebels without pants. That's some awesome cover art you got there. Great episode. It was really interesting hearing your responses to your favorite Star Wars characters. My favorites were always Luke and Obi-Wan growing up. And just like Tim, they keep changing for my favorite spot, depending on what I was watching. Although I think I might be changing to a Vader guy soon. After watching the link you sent me, Tim, I decided to check out those episodes you listed as your favorites, and I really enjoyed them. Unfortunately, I can never get into the series, but those episodes are more mature from the stuff I saw from the earlier seasons. He's talking about the Clone Wars, which I've been... I got Dane into that series, and now I'll hopefully get Alex into it. So <laughs> I, I I love the final season of Clone Wars. Oh, it, so good. L-winding. Right? Yep. That Yoda arc. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going to Dagobah, and they got Liam Neeson back. Oh. So good. So, so good. Hopefully, Alex, those episodes, because I told him to check out uh, the Umbara arc and uh, the Mortis trilogy. So yeah. if he gets on board with those, he's going to be in for a treat for the later seasons. So. Absolutely. He goes on to say, I read that I would be lost if I didn't watch the show in order, but I was totally fine. I tried to go back and watch earlier episodes, but ended up skipping to the episodes where the bald assassin chick went from there. The yellow, <laughs> the yellow mall dudes are awesome. I'm looking forward to see how the rest of that story arc plays out. 
I was surprised that you were such a fan of Qui-Gon Jinn, Dane, but your explanation was really intriguing. I remember liking him in the film, but I didn't remember much outside his final fight. I liked your ideas for the movies where he's training under Dooku or he's training Obi-Wan. Oops. Can I ask why he was surprised and what was your what was your explanation of why you liked Qui-Gon Jinn? Yeah, that was actually Dane. That's his favorite character. And, okay. And he was just saying just how different from the Jedi Council that Qui-Gon was. I mean, he was uh-huh. kind of labeled as a re- like rogue renegade Jedi, but he still went, was with the Order. But in the end, yeah. it's his view of the Force and the living Force what ended up being right and what the Jedi Council should have really listened to him and went about things the way Qui-Gon did. Well, and, I feel that like Qui-Gon, you know and Luke have so much in common mm-hmm. because they followed their hearts. Exactly. Yep. That's the big thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was a big reason for like quite Dane likes Qui-Gon Jinn. And I, I totally agree. I think sometimes it can be an underrated character because, because really anyone who doesn't watch the Clone Wars and just goes by what's in episode one, maybe uh-huh. they, they can't really identify too much with him. But when you look at the bigger picture and just the Star Wars galaxy as a whole in the forest, he's such an important character to the sagas. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was the first to go down, you know? I mean, without without that death, I think that, you know, there was no way that um, Obi-Wan would have had the adrenaline and the anger and the rage to yep just decimate Darth Maul. Yeah. <laughs> so he, I mean, he is the unsung hero of, of the first three movies, if not the whole, the whole series. Totally. And not even just that. And when you think about how he's the one who got, who trained Yoda and Obi-Wan to become forest spirits in the end, that's all. Right. Awesome. I, got, I so. mean, I mean, exactly. Like he, he was the first one to be able to, you know, become a, uh, a force ghost. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, that Yoda argued did such a great job of explaining that and how the whole thing with yes. the force ghost works and how they kind of, it's, it's not something all Jedi can do, but you really have to be chosen and just be able to do it once you're trained. So right. yeah, it's so good. I'm glad to hear you're a star Wars fan too, Josh. <laughs> Cause <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I love star Wars. I love star Trek. I love doctor who, you know, just give it all to me. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> nice. No, <laughs> <laughs> so Alice continues. goes, oops, this is a Batman podcast, right? <laughs> he goes, great review for Batman 40, Tim. I have to agree with your reviews are always better than the actual issues. Well, thanks, Alex. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I haven't been reading comics for over a year now, so it is possible that you have been slacking lately. <laughs> I'm just kidding. From your description, I actually hope Bruce remains dead. There's still convergence, so there could still be another Bruce there, right? I'm guessing the quick turnaround uh, for Damien should make me abandon my hopes, but still think it would be cool. I felt like Dick should have remained ba- should have remained Batman back in Morrison's run, but perhaps Bruce's death wasn't worthy enough back then. Using a gun to kill a god, what a lame way to go out for a mortal hero like Batman. It really doesn't matter to me, but it gets harder and harder to pretend that Batman is plausible as these things progress. Wait a second. What he said doesn't make any sense. Batman didn't die. I think it's probably, yeah. I mean, they try to build it up as a death, but I think just the whole thing of him going away and just out of the, uh, I guess, the Batman stories for a bit. Because a lot of people in the in the main story thought he was dead, so. Well, I mean, I will agree that, you know, 
and and let, let's just have a little caveat here in the fact that you know Batman R.I.P. did not end in Batman R.I.P. and yeah. ended in a completely different <laughs> series. And I mean, even like World's End and Features End did not end in those series. Like World Earth Two World's End is actually ending in Convergence, and it's it's like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Like, is are are you so desperate for sales that you can't end stories anymore, guys? <laughs> <laughs> See, when I hear things like that, it's kind of making me glad and realize I made the right decision and kind of skipping the whole convergence stuff but <laughs> well I honestly like I, I I would I would say that if, if you wanted I could give you like what you should read and what you shouldn't read okay yeah because there's <laughs> I want to probably pick and choose on certain things eventually <laughs> we'll see how it all yeah. plays out in the end but um, he goes on to say did you guys see the leaked video Jared Leto and uh, Margot Robbie and Suicide Squad it looks awesome there's no doubt in my mind that this will be the best superhero movie of 2016. So Alex thinks it'll be better than Batman v Superman. We'll have to wait and see, but right now, that's on top of my list for superhero movies in 2016. What, which one? Batman v Superman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if we can just take a little bit of time to talk about uh, the other big movie that just came out. In Avengers, mm-hmm. I honestly didn't like Avengers. Okay. I, I, and I, I really thought that you know the when it came to uh, Joss Whedon after the movie came out, like all the smack that he was talking about Marvel. Yeah, that took it, me by surprise. Really, it showed in the movie that like. He just didn't give a crap. And, uh, like, there was just awkward moments of comedy where there shouldn't have been. Um, I, I just didn't get the sense that, like, we were really in any danger. Like, it wasn't like the first film that, you know, the apocalypse was nigh, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it needed something where, like, Ultron does a worldwide like broadcast on like every computer screen, phone, or TV. He like, needed he needed to, to be something. Brainiac. Yeah, yeah. He needed to be Brainiac. <laughs> there you go. Not not you know comic relief. Like it, it was so strange to me, you know. But that's all I have to say about that. Let's get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex finishes off his email as he always does with some great questions. He goes, um, "Rank movies, comics." Novels, music, poetry, short stories, and TV shows in order of your preferred entertainment mediums. Also explaining your ranking. You can answer to your discretion because I know it's a lot to ask. (laughs) Okay, so for me, I guess number one, I'd put movies. But I, I love animated stuff, so... That might actually be my preferred medium because when you get great stories with some great animation, I think that's hard to beat. Cause there's so are, you, much... are you talking like uh, the uh, the anime stuff? Like uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, the, the guy that did uh, Spirited Away and whatnot. Oh, okay. Are you talking about that type of stuff or are you talking about 
like the, just, the Batman versus uh, Robin. Type yeah, stuff. just animation in general. I mean, like Batman, the animated series of Justice League Unlimited, the whole DC uh, yeah. animated universe is just awesome. And then when we get the DC animated movies, some of those stories are just awesome and are just really great. And sometimes you wish you could see those in the live action movies. And still, as much as... Uh, CG technology has improved and is just amazing these days. There's still some stuff you can't really pull off that you can in animation. So when you get that combined with amazing stories, I think it's just really hard to beat. So I'd put movie slash animation as my number one. You want to know something that will blow your mind? Give it to me. <laughs> my my great-grandfather, whose name was Curtis Perkins, okay. did the backgrounds for Super Friends. Oh, wow. Uh, he he did uh, the dance of the Nutcracker in Fantasia. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. He did uh, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, um, and, and others. Obviously, I I could I find his ID and the whatever that website is. I always get the the, the letters mixed up. <laughs> I but, <laughs> but, but I uh, but yes, he 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 did that, and it's something that you know is amazing to me you know yeah I, mean, like, I i i watch my great-grandfather's work yeah well, that's awesome great. to have that in your family like yeah. I said to experience like some those are some pretty big stuff i mean fantasia yeah <laughs> that's really cool so yeah i go number one mu- movies then i'm gonna go number two music because i love music i love to play music and listen to it there's probably i can't go without a day without hearing some type of music so that would probably. What what, what 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 kind of music do you like? Like, what's in your CD player right now? The uh, I'm a rock guy, so. I'm a rock guy too. Okay, like <laughs> some of my favorite, my top five favorite bands of all time would be like the Beatles, Nirvana, Three Eleven, Foo Fighters, Weezer, and those those are like my top five. And then okay, there's so a lot see. of different bands I like. <laughs> so. You're you're a '90s you're a '90s person. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a '90s person too, but I also like a lot of like the early 2000s stuff. Uh, with like Taking Back Sunday, um, you know, uh, My Chemical Romance, uh, just like the like the pop punk, okay, that type that type of stuff as well. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, the early two thousands they had some good stuff, but I'm I think I'm in the point now where I'm becoming like that old man who's like I don't know what's <laughs> on the radios these days. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I. I think thank God for Pandora because yeah. you, can, you can just put in a band and they'll play music that you like. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I got everything on my iPod, so like anything I, I got a one of the last like a uh, hundred twenty gigabyte iPods, and now yeah. they don't make them anymore. So like I'm scared yeah. if it ever breaks. So. But mine needs a new battery, and I don't know if that can happen. <laughs> oh man. So it's like one of these days I'm gonna have to. Because I got most of my music saved on a hard drive, but there's certain uh-huh. like playlists that I have in a certain order that if that go, my iPod goes, I won't have that anymore. So I was like, I got to get that saved somehow. So yeah, so yeah I go movies, music, then I'm going to go comics, then probably TV shows, then novels. But yeah, poetry and short stories, I don't read too much, so <laughs> I don't... I guess now, those last. With TV, do you actually watch TV or do you watch television shows? Because there's a difference now. I don't watch TV. Like I don't. I wouldn't have cable if my girlfriend didn't have it. Yeah. Like, I, 
I I watch Netflix like I I also I'll watch Supernatural over and over and over again, or I'll, the TV that I watch I watch online. You know I don't gotcha. But I I HDMI to my television and watch it that way. Yeah. What about you? For me, it's still pretty much all DVR. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if there's a series that like not on the air anymore, like like do a Netflix uh, binge on it or something. But uh-huh. for stuff that's currently on right now, like Flash and Arrow and that those type of shows, right. just watch it on DVR. That's the thing. Uh, I, and how I haven't watched anything live in a long time. <laughs> how about the Flash though? Uh, oh. Man, this season was beyond good. I mean, I was excited for at first. It's funny. Yeah. Going a little flash tangent here. When they announced the TV show, I was like, oh, really? A TV show? This should be a movie. Like, it's not going to have the budget well, for the good effects. I but, thought that the the people that were doing the Flash were also going to do the Flash movie. But it, it it didn't turn out that way. And it's so disappointing that, you know, Grant Gustin can't be the Flash and Justice League. Yeah, because, man, after this season, like, all the pressure's on the movie now. And as yeah, the movie, as and... The Flash. I mean, Ezra Miller, he's he's a good actor. I like him, mm-hmm. but, you know, will he be as good a Barry Allen as Grant Gustin? It's, it's, it's going to be an uphill climb. It will be, yeah. Man, he was so good in the season finale. This, yeah. Man, how cool was it seeing him go back in time through the Speed Force and just seeing, like, those different visions, or yeah. not visions, but the future. You got the Flash music. I was like, oh. Yeah, and, and you see Jake Eric's Yes. Like, <laughs> oh, that was just that was sexy. Let's just say it was yep. sexy. <laughs> Man, I can't wait for season two. <laughs> oh, it's it's gonna be amazing. Yep. So how about you, Josh? Where would you rank the different entertainment mediums that you like um, to experience? I love movies and television, music, books. My my favorite book is House of Leaves. Okay. Um I I really like uh like Twilight Zone type stuff. Okay. And so if you haven't read uh, or if you haven't watched uh uh what is it? I think it's called The Black Mirror. Or wait. That, uh, it's not the Scott Snyder story, right? <laughs> no, that's not it. Yeah. Uh, hang on just a second. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. I mean, there's a lot of black in title it seems like. Uh, it, it's a show that it's it's like the Twilight Zone, but uh, is it, it Orphan Black? No. Okay, I know that's a uh, name out there. <laughs> it's like the Twilight Zone, but it's it's uh, it has to do with like technology and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's actually called Black Mirror. Huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So okay, I was right. Uh, if you haven't watched that, it's a great show. Um. Let's see. What did I say? I said movies, television, music, books. Um, I guess poetry and short short stories. Yeah. Yes. They would really even think of having poetry on there. If you like poetry, that's cool, Alex. But yeah, that's something I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I for school. That was about it. (laughs) I'm a musician, so like I write lyrics. If that counts. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. But as far as poetry goes, like. It needs to be playing my guitar to have something with it. Even then, it's a struggle for me to come up with lyrics. But uh, as always, thanks again for your email and questions, Alex. And uh, as always, it's the best, our favorite part of the show. So again, you always come up with different, unique questions that after, I don't know, you've been sending emails to us for a while. So you keep sending us these awesome questions. So thanks as always and continue sending them.
And then we got an email from Mark. Mark says, hey, fellow Bat fans. Oh, first off, I got to give congratulations to Mark because he just graduated and got his master's degree. So congratulations to you, Mark. Congratulations. He says, hey, fellow Bat fans. I don't have much to say this week, but I was wondering if we can get a synopsis on Convergence. The way I understand it is that it's bringing together New 52 and the original continuity altogether. For example, stuff that happened in the Batman New 52 is now part of all Batman lore. Do I have this right? Also, the chatter online about who uh, would play Oliver Queen in the DC Cinematic Universe that's picked up. I keep hearing Channing, Charlie, Tain, Charlie Hunnam, and I could see him working. Thoughts on who you would select? Also, do you have any favorite Green Arrow storylines? So, Josh, I'm glad you're here since you've been reviewing Convergence for the Batman universe, and I have it. I think you'd probably be best to answer his questions that he has as far as um, what is the basic synopsis and Convergence and how it's all coming together as far as what would be, I guess, the fallout from it. Okay. Well, the way that Convergence is, is broken up is there is uh, pre, pre-crisis, which is pre-crisis on the engineers. And then there's right after zero hour, and then there is pre-flashpoint, and then there is flashpoint, and they're all domed. Okay, <laughs> and there there's also uh, like uh, Red Sun Superman, and uh, there's others that the Elseworld stories kind of. Yeah, there's Elseworlds. There's there's the vampire uh, stories and uh, also Kingdom Come. So they're all domed by Brainiac. And in Future's End, obviously, Brainiac gets uh, defeated. And what Telos is, is Brainiac went around to all of the 52 universes and he obviously found uh, Vanishing Point, which Vanishing Point is where you can go through any timeline. So he found all of the Brainiacs and coalesced them all into one being, and that is Telos. Okay. And that is the planet incarnate. And what the planet, what he has done since you know Brainiac is missing, has decided to pit these cities against each other, and in doing so. Whoever wins, that is who will, uh, you know, be reintroduced into the universe. Okay, so it's pretty much like the continuities are fighting against each other to see who will come out. Yeah. On top, he, really. He well, I mean, obviously, a lot of the uh, there's the tie-ins, which you know you have uh, pre fifty-two. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, pre-New 52, uh, or I guess we should say pre-Flashpoint characters fighting, you know, really, you know, obscure characters in some in some forms. Um, when it came to the Superman one, which well, I can't talk more about Superman, Superman was fighting the, uh, the Flashpoint um, universe. Okay. And... Uh, Lois Lane was uh, pregnant and he had to meet the Thomas Wayne Flashpoint Batman. <laughs> and it was so interesting to see that. <laughs> that does and sound really intriguing. <laughs> now, when it comes to the main idea of Convergence, 
um, the uh, Earth Two worlds and characters um, are pretty much the main characters of the story in in the spine book uh, of you know the the eight issues uh, of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, they've decided to pick a, a really really uh, obscure villain named Diamos. And what they have done is they've trapped all of the time travelers like Rip Hunter and Booster Gold and whatnot. So they can't undo what uh, Brainiac has done. And uh, as of right now, we're up to issue seven. And the Blood Moon is being pushed into the the new uh, 52 universe. And they're waiting to see what happens on it. And... uh, as of right now, um, there's two teams uh, fighting each other uh, in order to, you know, save their universes. And uh, one side is on Demos' side, the other side is on Superman's side. And there's some really interesting uh, and great images of like of the the pre-Flashpoint Superman rallying the troops, you know, saying, you know, we have to, you know, unite to fight this evil. And uh, there's also uh, in in the uh, in, uh, Earth 2 um, story, there's Dick Grayson, who was never uh, a Robin. Um, and uh, the... the in Earth 2, obviously, Thomas Wayne is Batman because in the first issue of Earth 2, Batman uh, died in the fight against Darkseid. And uh, there was a meeting between him and the Batman Incorporated Batman. And uh, unfortunately, it happened off screen, which uh, made me so upset because I'm like, <laughs> oh, what a missed opportunity. Because when I when I had first read the uh, the uh, synopsis for it, I thought the, that he was going to meet the Flashpoint Batman, you know, because the Flashpoint Batman wrote the letter to Bruce uh-huh. and whatnot. So that was I thought that was going to be amazing, but you know, it it didn't happen that way, unfortunately. And that there we are. But uh, in uh, in an act of such courageousness and bravery. Batman, uh, after he left uh, the Batman Incorporated uh, Batman with the Batmobile, all of the villains followed him. And in order to give the uh, the the team, the Earth 2 team, more time to figure out how to, you know, defeat Telos, he pulled out a bat bomb and uh, killed all of the pre-52 Batman villains and, oh, and, took, and took his own life. <laughs> and, oh, it was such a crazy moment. And that's basically right now where we're at in Convergence. Now, this is how I can explain how everything fits together. Um, what you need to do is read uh, – uh, futures and booster gold 
You need to read Convergence Booster Gold. You need to read Justice League number 40. And you'll understand how all of the crises from Crisis on, on Infinite Earths to, uh, to, uh, Zero Hour, Infinite Crisis, and Flashpoint all fit together and why Pandora did what she did in Flashpoint. Oh, okay. And, and if you do that, it will make sense. And if you still have a question, uh, next time, uh, please ask again and I will be willing to clarify anything you want. So is it seeming like, because when I first heard Convergence, it kind of got me excited. Like, okay, they're going to, uh, maybe find a way to bring back some of that old continuity. But then like when they announced their whole like June relaunch of all these new books and stuff and saying, oh, this is still the new 52 universe and that's still continuing. So I was like, okay, so Convergence is probably going to be pointless then if there's nothing really going to change. But do you think it is going to have, an, like by the final issue, there's going to be some of that continuity in there or is it, we just kind of still don't know really what's going to happen by the time it's over as far as continuity goes. I still think we don't necessarily know what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I thought when I heard about this kind of, uh, do you follow uh, Rich Johnson on Bleeding Cool at all? Um, no, I don't actually. Okay. He's one of those like scoop writers that okay. kind of give you spoilers on mm -hmm. certain events and stuff like that. And he called this like a, a, a Band-Aid event. Okay. And, what I what I uh, brought from it was it was kind of going to be like the end of Crisis on on Infinite Earths, where Superman and Superboy and Lois Lane like went into a paradise dimension. Yeah, and that was that. I think that this is going to be a swan song for all the continuities for okay. everybody, and we're going to be stuck with the new Fifty Two. And I think that uh, with when the new 52, as of right now, since the Blood Moon is pushing its way into the uh, new 52 universe, I think that we're going to have these meetups of these characters and we're going to see, you know, these characters understand that, wow, these people are, are so great. We need to aspire to be them. And I think that that hopefully is going to transpire in the writing from here on out. Okay. And so hopefully it'll at least serve that purpose. If they're not going to read the yeah. continuity, bring back, at least put back the stuff which made it good into the new 52 and what we love. Right. It. Right. I mean, I don't think, I mean, obviously, you know, we want, we want our Superman back. And I think the truth arc, is going to do its best in, in getting that Superman back to where we, we love him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he kind of, unfortunately, looks like a frat boy, you know, that's one, you know, uh, Kegger cup, you know, from <laughs> chanting a, 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 an ill-timed song on a bus. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, well, you know, well it should. We only got a few weeks left. When's the last issue coming out? Uh, we are on issue seven right now. So, uh, 
I believe the last issue is next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll find out in a week or so. So Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll, be, it'll end for the better as far as the new 52 universe. And I, I, I believe that, it's, that, that Convergence is going to spin right into Dark Side War mm-hmm. because it was – it was uh, given some lip service in Justice League number 40. Okay, yeah, because when I read Justice League 40, I got the impression even just more pumped up for Dark Side War. I'm looking forward to that. And that, to me, sounded like a bigger event-type thing than what's going on in Convergence. But granted, I haven't read Convergence, but just seeing like what the effect of Dark Side War could have it might be something that's bigger, too. So I'm Absolutely. looking forward to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so going back to... Mark's theme. Hopefully that answered your question, Mark. <laughs> Get a better idea of what's going on in Convergence. I know it helped me since I haven't really been following it, so thanks, John. <laughs> no problem. So he goes, as far as the whole Green Arrow and uh, Oliver Queen, actually, I haven't really given it uh, much thought as far as a new actor to be to play him in a movie. Kind of hoping they don't really go there, because I really like Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen, and while I think Charlie Hunnam could be pretty good, I don't know. Just I would rather just—he's not like a main member of the Justice League where you have to use him in a movie like Flash is. So I think it'd be better if they just kind of leave him in the TV show, really. You know, back when uh, they were planning uh, a Green Arrow escape from Supermax, yeah, movie, mm. I would have thought Dennis Leary would have been the perfect mm. uh, Green Arrow because he, you know, can rattle off those words so quickly, like. You know, if you remember him in Demolition Man, how he was like, you know, power to the people. That that that's the Oliver Queen that I feel is missing in in Arrow right now. He's not talking about like the social issues. You yeah. know, he's he's not the he's not the I wouldn't call him a hippie, but he he's not the the activist that you know really made the character in the seventies and the eighties and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're saying they're supposed to be like heading more towards that. I think starting with season four it should be kind of almost a different character. They're saying so. We'll see what yeah, that goes. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, and as far as favorite Green Arrow storylines, I got to be honest, there's really not too many that I've read. I did get a trade of like the classic uh, Denny O'Neill uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow run. Right. So I'll probably just have to go with that since that's probably <laughs> the really the only like Green Arrow centric ones I've read. But I know there's some good ones out there. I know Kevin Smith's. Uh, had a good I, I would too. say that Kevin Smith's uh, Green Arrow run has to be one of the best because he plausibly brought a character that was deader than dead, <laughs> you know, back to life in a great way. You know, I mean, Judd Winnick didn't do a bad job. Uh, it, uh, obviously, he did have that, you know, kind of uh, – controversy with giving um his uh sidekick aids or whatever oh yeah that's right yeah i remember that but i mean it was it wasn't a bad run in my opinion and uh obviously the uh cry for justice um and rise and fall of green arrow like that was just a madness of an art (laughs) it was it was so uh, emotional you know because of everything that happened within it. All right, cool. Yeah, well, definitely take uh, Josh's word for that. Because like I said, I haven't read too many. It sounds like you read a lot of Green Arrow too. So it's a good thing you're on this episode, Josh. You're answering all of Mark's emails, uh, questions. 
Well, no problem. I'm I, like I said, I'm happy to be here, Tim. Uh, then he finishes off by saying, "Tim, you win. Leto's Joker has tattoos. Oh well, because he was one of the ones who was kind of saying maybe it was just part of that 75th anniversary image or so. But nope, they're yeah. there for good." Says we keep getting more and more set photos of the Suicide Squad movie, and it keeps getting me more excited. Also, where is a good place to start reading Justice League comics? I think I need to brush up for uh, Batman v Superman and also the Dark Side War coming to DC Comics. On my final one, fi on my final thought, I'm super excited about DC's new storylines and hope they pan out. Which one are you guys looking forward to? I'll leave the Star Wars questions to Alex. <laughs> Sounds good, Mark. Well. Uh, for Justice League comics, I mean, if you want to get prepared for Dark Side War and even uh, the Justice League movies, I think they're going to be going a lot with the New 52 route. So I would just start from there, at least uh, just to get going for Justice League number one from the New 52. I really like that arc, the first one with Dark Side. I think Jeff Johns did a great job. And just overall, I've enjoyed Justice League since it started. Uh, Throne of Atlantis was really good. And then, like I said, Dark Side War sounded like it's going to be something pretty cool. So. I think that'd be a good place to start for right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And if, if you don't want to necessarily read the comic, you go ahead and just get the uh, the animated uh, version of the story because it's pretty much panel to panel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like that movie too. Because my favorite part of that story was probably the Batman and Green Lantern banter <laughs> that they had going. Absolutely. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. so good. And the movie captured <laughs> that great too. Right. And as far as what new comics I'm looking forward to, um, I've got to say right now it's Batman Beyond. I mean, I just love Batman Beyond in general, and I was excited when the comic first got announced, but then was a little disappointed that it wasn't following the main animated series continuity like Kyle Higgins' uh, digital series did, which I thought was great. But this one still has me intrigued. I mean, it's been revealed that Tim Drake is going to be uh, taking Terry's place in the future. And so I'm just curious to see of how he's going to be in that world, him interacting with Bruce. And there was that preview that came out a few days ago, which saw him interacting with like, it's not the Neo-Gotham that we're used to in the animated series. It's kind of like a post-apocalyptic world type scenario. We see him interacting well, with Terry's brother there. So there's almost a way where Tim has to live up to Terry's legacy of Batman, not just Bruce's. So it sounds pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to it, just being a big Batman Beyond fan. Well, you know, with, with that, you know, ever since one of the, one of the you know hard hardest things about what came out of Flashpoint is you know Tim Drake. Yeah, and definitely. <laughs> because you know everybody loved Tim Drake. You know Tim Drake, you know was almost a better Robin than Dick Grayson in my opinion. It's debatable. I'm still a dick guy, so <laughs> he's well, gonna have my support. <laughs> and, and that's that's your right, but I mean, well, like we said, you know, we were growing up through Nightfall, and like it was it was Tim Drake, you know, and um, he lost a lot of what Tim Drake was, and I really feel that like everybody loved Terry McGinnis, and to kill him in Future's End really didn't serve that story in my opinion that's disappointing <laughs> and you know you're kind of throwing a tim drake that a lot of people don't really care about into a book that you know we there's the whole debacle of Fut future's end didn't end 
<laughs> you know, like. <laughs> so I mean, I I want to read it obviously because hopefully it'll give us an ending. You know, hopefully, hopefully Tim Drake will win against Brother Eye, and you know we'll see what happens. But yeah, see, I'd be really upset all that stuff that happened if that was part of the animated series continuity because no matter what happens in this uh right new 52 continuity of batman beyond to me the real batman beyond continuity is the animated series so right. this could just be like a i mean it is like another universe version of that story so that's kind of why well, i have an open mind to it and open to see where things are going to go that are different well like back in 2010 when they when they first brought back the the batman beyond yeah that was a mixed uh, bag <laughs> it was a mixed bag but it was fun to see you know dick grayson and it was fun to see, uh, you know, uh, the new Hush and, you know, Bruce Wayne and whatnot. I yeah, felt the new Catwoman kind of, too. I really like yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, it, it, see, the obviously thing with that, people want, obviously people want Batman Beyond. I just yeah. don't know if they, I just don't know if they want this Batman Beyond. True. Yeah. I'm willing to give it a shot. See, the thing about the 2010 run that really got me was they didn't know what they wanted to be. Do they want it to be part of the animated series continuity? But then they throw in stuff that was going on in the comics too. So it's like, it really didn't fit. Like they didn't, they wanted to cater to both audiences and I don't think it really worked that well in the end, but that's why I love Kyle Higgins run. I mean, he just continued on from the animated series and just did a bunch of cool stories and picked up stuff, even from Batman, the animated series is continuing on that legacy. So, right. Right. Yeah, so how about you, Josh, out of the new books that are coming in June, which one is you looking forward to the most? Um, I want to read Dark Side War, obviously. Um, I want to read Batmite just because it, it sounds so <laughs> fun. Because it, it just sounds like Batmite is going to tr- just troll all of these superheroes. <laughs> because, I mean, he, he's going to be like – it's going to be like Brave and the Bold where – you know, everybody was complaining about, like, this isn't my Batman. Yeah, he's going to be the audience's voice or the audience, right. complaining and, audience's voice. And, and, and that, that's just so fun, you know. Um, I love Jason Todd, so I definitely want to read uh, Red Hood and Arsenal. Um, I want to continue with uh, Cameron Stewart's Batgirl. And... Um, as I said before, we are Robin. I want to see if we'll we'll get some insight on what happened to Bruce Wayne. Cool. Yeah. As far as books that are continuing, um, but new storylines, I'm really looking forward to, like you said, Justice League and also Green Lantern, where that story ended with Hal Jordan kind of having to go rogue for a bit. So that one I'm looking forward to and see where that story. Yeah, I I actually didn't read that one. I'll, I'll have to pick that up. Okay. Yeah. That because. Green Lan- I'm a big Green Lantern fan, so that's been one of the new 52 books that I've stuck with from the get-go. And for the most part, it's even after Jeff Johns left, it's continued to tell quality stories. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. All right, so that'll be it for uh, Mark's email. Thanks again for your email, Mark. And that's going to do it for our listener feedback. So we can go into our comic I'll say comic book review because we only got one <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. And it's going to be the graphic novel Batman Earth 1 Volume 2. And... It's been three years in the waiting, or three years in the making, I should say, after the first one came out in 2012. And ah, I was a big time, fan of it. Time flies. Oh, you got it? that right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would just, uh, this past week, it's been 10 years since Revenge of the Sith came out. And I was like, 
Man, that sent like it would never come out back in like 98, 99 we're gearing up for episode right. one, and now it's 10 years old already. It, well, and like back back when Dark Knight Rises came out, I was like, man, it's been 19 years since Bane like first, you know, appeared in the comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that wasn't his first movie appearance though in Dark Knight Rises because right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, we won't mention Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, so Volume 2, I mean, I had high hopes for this one. I was really looking forward to it. And just overall, i got to say, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I mean, this whole new world that Earth-1 is providing, that Jeff Johns has created, this world of Batman that we're just not used to. And we're seeing familiar characters, but they're just being put in in different situations and showed to act differently in some spots. And I just think it's a lot of fun. So yeah, the basic story of it, I mean, it starts off with basically was um, a mysterious murder on an elevator with a lot of people uh, being killed. And we see several other murders like that. And cause we got a hint of it in the last page of the Batman verse one volume one that the Riddler was going to be the main bad guy. So yeah. he's already like establishing himself as a main threat here. And I love the beginning action sequence too with Batman and basically with Alfred kind of, he's still not sure that Batman is going about this the right way. And just the different uh, values that they have and the way that Batman should be fighting crime. I mean, when Batman yes. goes to say that crook who's about to fall off the building and Alfred's like, what did you do that for? Like, you should just let him fall. Like people right. will start knowing you're like, you, you could take lies and they'll be afraid of you. But Batman's like, no, I don't want to be that. Like, yeah, but they don't have to know that. Like, that you know it was an accident, but I just love the different values that both of them are showing here. And we got Batman's no kill rule, while Alfred being more of a hardened character, showing like sometimes well, you gotta do what you need to do. And in was it in this one or was it in the one before that Alfred shot um, Penguin? Penguin, yeah, that first, was the first one. So the, he made it to where uh, everybody thought Batman murdered Penguin. Yep. So. Yeah, it looks like he wants to keep that going. But I just love how Bruce isn't giving into that. It might right. serve him better, but nope, he's not bending his rule. Right. And like, there's this fun scene, like, get, they're expecting him to go into his Batmobile, but nope, it's just like a standard car that he's yeah. into. And then you see him can't make that turn and he crashes. And so right. that's kind of what's prompting him to get the Batmobile into production. So just yeah. seeing Batman not be Batman. I mean, that was the main selling point for the first volume, but it, yeah. I still enjoy seeing it in this one. And so, yeah. Um, we put, the main story is uh, Bullock and uh, Gordon are partners in this. It's reminded me a lot too how the TV show Gotham took some stuff <laughs> from this and probably didn't do it quite as well, but we can see where they're taking the inspiration yeah. from. Yeah, well, and, and, and they said that they said it was very uh, it, it was very inspired by you know the the Earth One. Yeah, and it, um, you know the fact that Alfred was a uh, you know, a Marine or he was in the British special forces and whatnot. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing was Gordon and Bullock. I do like their like dynamic and us being partners in this too. And <laughs> well, I thought, it, I thought it was funny that Bullock was a part of like a reality show. Yeah. Like... <laughs> That's yeah. Cause he, Oh, when I remember I first read that first volume, it was a total shock to see Bullock this way. Like, he's skinny. He's like this, uh, right. like, wanted to be, like, a, a famous actor slash cop type thing. So uh -huh. <laughs> he was all dashing. So it was funny to see Bullock act that way. And then 
just seeing him get put through the ringer at the end of the first like story, seeing how Gotham yeah, is, and how it's, bad it's just it is. so messed up. Yeah, yeah it's how it affected him. So I just like seeing that dynamic continue with Gordon uh-huh. trying to pull Bullock out of that. Right. Where it's the theme of this uh, story was we got Mayor Jessica Dent sister to district attorney Harvey Dent doing what they can to get Gotham City cleaned up again and Gordon is trying to be a part of that too so but the way there were some very confusing you know sequences though with that like they meet and then it it was a there was a flashback where uh yeah it kind of shows Harvey Dent beating up Batman or Bruce because his mom was re- related to Arkham. Yeah, she is like her family name is Arkham, like Martha Arkham. Was so it's not it's not Kane in this one. It's no. Arkham. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because that's why Harvey always hated Bruce in this because like, oh, you're come from a family of crazies and you're going to be crazy too. I don't want my sister going out with you. Right, all. right, right. Okay. So yeah, so what I liked about the story aspect of them trying to clean up Gotham. I mean, we think of the Dark Knight that Harvey Dent trying to do things the right way by the yeah. like through the law to clean up Gotham, and it works a little bit in the Dark Knight. But in this one, they're kind of doing things like off the record, making deals with criminals to get names. So uh-huh. you could tell it going about it a different way, but wanting to get the same results for it. Well, there was a lot of you know lifting you know between you know the two of uh, you know the Dark Knight and. Batman Begins, too. Yeah, you did get some of that stuff. Yeah. You get that vibe a little bit as you read this story. Right. Yeah, and even the Batman-Gordon relationship in this story, too, is still continuing to grow. I mean, again, going back to that thing of Batman not really being Batman yet, There's, I just love that sequence they had where Batman goes to Gordon giving him uh, or wanting him to find out, like, the five (laughs) people who are still, like, like, big... Uh, invested people in Gotham who are, I'm trying to think of the right word, but I'm blanking on it, but they're just important people to the city that Jessica Dent knows are right. still involved with the mob and are criminals and are trying to take over what Cobblepot left. So right. Batman needs Gordon to investigate that, so he wants to see what he can find about this list of uh, five people. And you just uh-huh. see him enter the room and like Gordon's all, you know, you're stepping on evidence. And Batman's like, oh, 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 sorry, <laughs> he steps off it. Right, right. And then there gets the classic Batman Gordon moment where Gordon's talking and Batman's not there. He's Gordon's like, where'd he go? But then you expect nothing, but Batman's all, oh, I'm over here. I'll see what I can find. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Batman but, never does that. <laughs> and then there was a funny thing where he gave him the bat signal. He's like, wow, he actually put a bat on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but there, there was actually a scene where Batman was in the hospital. It reminded me of uh, Joker's five-way revenge. It was uh, Batman in a hospital bed, but they kept this mask on. Yeah. I don't know if you if you had read that or not. Mm, yeah, that's right. I didn't pick up on that when I was reading the issue. That is another good callback. Yeah, and obviously we meet Selena Kyle in this issue. Or yeah, this, did you pick uh, on that right away? Yeah, I did. It, mm. it, there was no one else it could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, see, I thought that was Selena Kyle, but as we learned in the end, I didn't realize, oh, that's her kind of robbing the place. I really right. thought that might have been her situation at the time there. <laughs> right. And she kind of gotten like uh, flattered with Batman being there and yeah. admire him and then wanting to follow in his footsteps in a sort of way. But of course, as a criminal, but I didn't expect her to be there kind of already robbing the place. So that was pretty cool. And I, one of the things I really loved about this issue is how, you know, John's portrayed Killer Croc. 
because oh, yeah, man, yeah, <laughs> K- Killer Croc, you know, is always. I mean, he's like Bane in a way. Like the people don't know how to write him, mm-hmm. and they just need him as a monster for a particular story. And that's right. It. Like he eats people, and like, like it's just it's it's kind of ridiculous. And I I like the fact that you know. Croc, you know, had a little bit of humanity in in, in this one. It kind of reminded me of uh, of No Man's Land when uh, there when Leslie Tompkins uh, helped out Killer Croc. That's right, yeah. And uh, there, was, I, I don't remember who he was fighting uh, in that issue, but there was like. Uh, a fight and Leslie Tompkins broke it up and like it turns out that like Croc had been uh, protecting the the mash unit and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was a nice kind of callback to that to the humanity that he had. And it turns out that Killer Croc helped Batman in this issue. So it was cool. Like it, Jeff Johns is doing something very different and. If after Flashpoint, this, if, if this is what they wanted to do with Batman and they wanted to erase everything, I would be cool with it. Yeah, I mean, just with these two stories we got, I mean, they've been great yeah. so far. And like we said, they're different, but yet they're still engaging stories with the characters that, since they're different, it makes it fun to read because you don't know what to expect, really. Like with Croc, I totally agree. This is probably my favorite part of the story, this whole uh-huh. interaction Batman had with Croc, where you really feel sympathy for him because he said he escaped the circus. I like how it was Haley circus and how Uh Mr. Haley just like made him like made his teeth become like those razor sharp to make him look more like a crocodile and how when he escaped, like all he tried to do was uh, buy something to eat and he had money, but the store owner freaked out and shot at him. So right. Right. Yeah. Great stuff. And I like the part too, where he just says like Batman, look, he's awesome. As ridiculous as Killer Croc look, he just goes to Batman like, what are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> like, you really and... want me to call you Batman? You sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was that was good. And, um, you know, I really kind of feel that with uh, the Riddler. You know, my favorite iteration of the, of the Riddler um, uh, of all time is two stories. One, it's in the animated series when he makes Batman go through the video game. Oh, I love that episode. <laughs> and two, I loved him in Hush. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and, talk about an unexpected twist. That was something I didn't see coming at the end. <laughs> right. And, I mean, honestly, when it, when it, you know, we can talk about Hush. I can talk about Hush for hours. But when it came to, to the Riddler being the bad guy in Hush, that was awesome. Unfortunately, they never really did anything with it after that. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, this story really made the Riddler someone to fear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not Jim Carrey. It is <laughs> not the guy on Gotham. He is not this, like, goofy character that, you know, likes riddles, you know. It's someone... It, to be to be afraid of like it almost reminds me of the gray ghost episode you know the villain in that the mad the bomber villain, yeah the mad bomber in that or you could just call it Bruce Tim because that's who it was <laughs> <laughs> right I mean it, it was great and you know 
if there's ever a Riddler in a movie, I've always said, you know, like, uh, live free or die hard. That type of uh, diabolical plan in that film, that would be the perfect Riddler, you know, type of, of, of plot. And that's the Riddler I want to see, and that's the Riddler that we've got within this story. Yeah. Like you said, he was to be feared in this. I mean, there was a great, probably like my favorite sequence of events was Batman meeting Killer Croc. He discovers his lairs in the sewer, but then uh-huh. there's no he's there, and he tells him about the train that's going to explode with the bomb, and Batman doesn't answer the question. And, and then, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was great where Batman answers the question, and you just get that panel where, like, you see that like disappointed or smirk on Riddler's face. You don't even see his eyes. You just see like uh, the bottom of his chin and his lips. Like you can tell he's annoyed. Like, you uh-huh. got me, but you know what? I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, he, he was just like, F it. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, that's what even made Batman realize. Like he did this on like this. We got to get this guy now. He killed yeah. these people even though I answered the question. So right. probably, I'll just go ahead and get into probably my one uh, complaint about the issue. Um, so the story we're talking about where Batman's trying to get Gordon's album find the five people who were trying to take over Cobblepot's criminal empire. It seems like Riddler knows about this and he's trying to kill those five people too, because he's among those that group and he's trying to get take out the competition. But to cover his tracks, he's making it look like it he's killing a bunch of people with them, so it makes people think, Oh, they were just happened to, you know, be there by coincidence and they're not really being targeted. They just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But Batman and Gordon are able to deduce that. But here's my thing. With how the last page that we got in Batman Earth 1, Volume 1, it seemed like the Riddler was really intrigued with Batman, that that was going to be his goal on the next uh, story where he's going to Yeah, like it was going to be Batman forever. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) But done in a much better way. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe even kind of like the Arkham games where all he's worried about is beating Batman, not necessarily trying to get rid of like the criminal competition. So I wish it kind of went more that way where Riddler was just this obsessed Batman nut trying to get the better of Batman. I mean, it had well, a little bit of that in it, but not too much that I think it was being set up in the first issue. It kind of reminded me of the dark Knight a little bit when like the Joker was like, take off your mask, mm-hmm. you know, show us who you really yeah, are. I, I wish it would have went more in that way. Right. Mm. Yeah, so the final parts of the issue were interesting, too, where I keep saying issue, but it's really a graphic novel. So, <laughs> Well, I'm really glad that, like, he's, I mean, these stories that he's making, like, uh, one, obviously, the Batmobile is under that tarp. That's amazing. Yeah. And then he, like, these last pages are, like, akin to the credit scenes in Marvel movies. Like, yeah. We know what's coming next. Yeah, I love that. Like, the first one we got Riddler, and then this next one was a great one with Catwoman, too. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, the question is, can Catwoman really carry her own story? We'll have to see. Yeah, well, you know, he'll sprinkle in some other villains like this one where we got Killer Croc, and then yeah. uh, we got to talk about the end where we got Two-Face, and we kind of got a different Two-Face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, if did I understand it right that Harvey's dead? Yeah, he appears to be dead. So what happens is that um, they think the police in Harvey Dent, they think that Batman is... Killed uh, him. Yeah. Yeah. And so they go to arrest him, but Alfred's there, and Bruce is with right. Harvey's sister. So 
Alfred puts up a pretty good fight with Gordon in the, yeah. the police department there, but they end up arresting him and he's in jail. And then, um, but Bruce goes to see him. And then while they're all there, you got Harvey Dent, you got the mayor, you got commissioner Gordon all in one place. So that's where Riddler is going to strike next. He's planted bombs at the police station. So, but that's not enough. He has to open up all the cells and all the inmates come out. What's amazing about this is the dual identity within her. She thinks she's Harvey. Yeah. That is amazing. Like, I would have never thought of that. Yeah, that's why it's such a great twist on, like, Two-Face, but new and yet somewhat familiar. Because as the inmates yeah. come out, Sal Maroney, who Harvey Dent put away, um, is going after Harvey to kill him. And so he pretty much he just stabs Harvey as he's trying to get his sister out of there. And right. as he stabs him, he lights up a bottle and just crashes yeah, it on his Ma- face. Molotov cocktailed them. Yep, I mean that definitely reminded me of the Dark Knight. Is how it wasn't as oh yeah, absolutely. And so you're thinking, okay, this is how Harvey becomes Two Face, but his sister is there to witness it, and Batman tries to help, but he doesn't save him in time, and she just sees that, and she just yells out, "He's dead! My brother is dead!" But then she, she puts her face on his burnt face, and so she then she just screams out, "Batman! Like my brother's dead! He's gone!" And she just collapses in his arms, and then at the hospital. Bruce is staying with her, and then she, you see half of her face covered, and then she just screams out as uh, Bruce is waiting there. Um, I forget what she says exactly, but she says something. Oh, that's what she says. Stay away from my sister, which right. Harvey always told Bruce. So that gave you the hint right. that he's that somehow like part of him or his way of thinking is in his sister now, and looks like she's gonna right. do two things. She, she's obviously schizophrenic, and she thinks the you know the the half the, the bad half thinks that she's harvey and the good half is still her yeah but it was such a great different take on the two-faced yeah. character it reminded me a little bit too of uh martha wayne as a joker in uh, the flashpoint yeah, absolutely stories yes just stuff that character you know and love getting flipped over it's <laughs> just great i mean right. sometimes oh. it can go into directions like makes you go eh, like that doesn't work but so far all the new directions they're going here has been working for me anyway i'm loving it you know, I have to honestly say that Jeff Johns is the saving grace of DC Comics right now. If Jeff Johns were not there, I think that it would be anarchy because a lot of stuff post Flashpoint has not landed very well. Yep, you got that right. And, and <laughs> the stuff he's working like Green Lantern's done pretty good. So, yeah, right. your point. You know, Superman was great. Um, I think with Dark Side War, he's going to fix a lot of things. Um, because he, within one issue, he explained and retconned everything they said about the crisis have never happened. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, it took them just a few panels just to say, it, it's happened, and then it, and then it was recreated. It's happened, and then it was recreated. Yeah, and then, it, there is it, someone it cannot, out there who knows about them, so making yeah. them still exist in a way. Yeah, right. Like the, you know, the Monitor, Metron, Pandora, the Anti Monitor, they all stay the same. Mm-hmm. It's everybody else that gets you know changed. Yep. And th- what Pandora did. It has made the multiverse unstable. And what's going on right now, like 
this war between Darkseid and the Anti-Monitor will destroy everything if it's not stopped. And I think that Convergence, like I said, is leading in to Darkseid War, and we might get every version of every character since the beginning of DC Comics fighting these two. And if that happens, <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> It'd be like Crisis on Infinite Earths times 10 or something. <laughs> like, well, it is, it is the 30th anniversary, baby. Why not? There, yeah, That's there the you day. go. <laughs> what better time than now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I guess in wrapping it up, I mean, the last thing I want to touch on is the final battle sequence with Batman and Riddler and Killer Croc. I mean, I don't know about you, but when... Uh, you know what? I just realized that I should have said this at the very beginning, but... We say this on every episode, so hopefully people familiar with it know by now. But spoilers on this yeah. whole story. Well, uh, when you when you when you edit it, you you can always just say spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> just put it in there out of the blue. Yeah. But the whole thing where Batman's fighting Riddler and it looks like Riddler's gonna take out Batman, but then Croc comes yeah. in and saves him. But then Riddler just fires at Croc, and I actually thought, oh man, they killed Croc after he becomes so likable. But in the end, Batman takes out Riddler and still saves Croc. And then I just like how he puts Alfred in charge of trying to get, <laughs> take care of Croc yeah. at the end. But I just like the fact that Croc, he was pretty much a good guy in this issue. There was nothing really bad yeah. about him. So, right. And he got his moment to be a hero and save Batman. So I just really liked how that ended. Yeah, and I mean, Croc, you know, to me is like, he and like Solomon Grundy are just so such tragic characters, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, sure. At some point, I think Croc tried to be like, at one point he was like a pimp and another point, yeah. he was, another point he was a crime boss. And, and that's when Bane showed up and like broke his arms and stuff like that. But, um, he, he's just a tragic character that lives in the sewer and he doesn't really bother, bother anybody, but people bother him. And, you know, uh, I, I I wish that someone would write a great Killer Croc story, and within this book, they wrote 80% of a great Killer Croc story, in my opinion. Yeah, and maybe it's good, too, that he isn't the main focus, but just has a little bit, some great moments throughout the story where right. maybe if you try to focus on him too much, you might not have the stuff you would need to sustain a a, like a sustainable story that could last through like several issues or whatnot. But if you just put in certain small bits of croc here and there, when you establish who he is and his character and like it did in this issue, it ends up being really good. Yeah. So yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this one um, to rate it. We got to give it a rating scale too. Like we always do our episodes. I'd probably, how do you, how do you rate your, your, your books? Um, for this episode, I mean, it changes on every single episode. Something crazy, something funny. But in honor okay. of Batman Earth 1, I guess we'll go with uh, times that Batman does not like act like Batman in Earth 1. So I'm going to give this one four out of five times that Batman did not act like Batman at all in this story. <laughs> uh, like I said, the only nitpick I have was just the Riddler, the, his motivations for him causing those crimes. I wish it was more Batman-centric than just trying to wipe out uh, fellow criminals. So yeah, four out of five for me. How about you? Uh, I'll, I'll agree with you, four out of five. Nice. Yeah, so anyone hasn't checked out both volumes, too. I really liked volume one, and now volume two has continued the trend. So I really like the Earth One line in general. I enjoyed Superman, both stories. I know that's kind of been mixed with people, but I really like both of them. 
I know we're getting Wonder Woman and Teen Titans pretty soon, so I'm hoping we get a Green Lantern one because I would really love to see an Earth um, One Green Lantern. Obviously, I can't wait for you know the Joker to show up within the Batman Earth One, and I yes. really hope I really hope we get a Trinity too. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, when I was going through the issue and kind of expecting the same last page teeds that we got in the first one with Riddler, even though we got Catwoman in this one, I was wondering if they, is Jeff Johns going to bring Joker in here somehow just to give us a little tease for what's coming next. But yeah, right. to his credit, I mean, it's so easy to want to bring the Joker in like the first two issues and maybe well, open the third one. We don't know yet. But if at this wait, point, though, it would have to be Red Hood game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it could be something with the Red Hood, but yet totally different <laughs> in this yeah. new universe. So absolutely, I'm excited for it. So yeah, it's really good. I highly recommend it. Yes. So with that, that's going to do it for this episode. So um, as always, you can check out our host site at thebatmanuniverse.net and then at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse and follow them on Twitter at thebatmanuniverse. Batman Universe. <laughs> and then you can follow each one of us on Twitter. I'm at TimG311. Dane is at Dane Says Banana. And Josh, what's your Twitter handle again? Uh, JP Hawkins1047. All right, cool. Then also on iTunes, uh, if that's where you listen to us, you can find us and all the other Batman Universe podcasts on there where you can rate and review us, which would be much appreciated. And then, like Mark and Alex on this episode, you can send us emails with any questions or comments at batvanswithoutpants at gmail.com. And then for us on social media, you can check us out at Facebook, facebook.com slash batfanspodcast, and then on Twitter at batfans27. So with that, that's going to do it. Josh, thank you so much for coming on this episode and chatting Batman with me. It was fun. We got to talk about Endgame. We got to talk about Earth One, Suicide Squad, tons of other cool DC stuff. So yeah, thanks for joining me on this one. Oh, thank you for having me. And I would love to come back anytime if you want a third amigo. Definitely. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have you back again. So thanks for listening, everybody. That'll do it. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.